Five with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored to you by Barry Cohen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycohen.com for their newest selections of GM vehicles, uh, pre-owned and new vehicles, or call them at 519-824-0210. And a special thank you to Mark Collins for having faith in me and my podcast live with CDP Sports uh, Talk. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a sponsorship with them for a long time. Again, you guys can check out their website at barrycohen.com or 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. And this is where I get all my vehicles from uh, the last 30 years. This is from Barry Collin GM uh, Chevrolet dealership in Guelph. Uh, guys, uh, thank you everybody for coming on to Live with CDP podcast today. Uh, this is season four, episode 30, or my 195th episode uh, since uh, March of 2020. And I'm looking forward to speaking to Ryan Drury, the color analyst on the Gulf Storm Rogers broadcast and with CKNX News in Wingham, Ontario, and Amber, Amber Campbell, a longtime volunteer camera operator for the Rogers TV for the Gulf Storm Games, Rogers TV, and also with uh, Griff Vision at the University of Gulf. So just bear with me, guys, and I'm going to bring on my guests, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Ontario Hockey League and the 2022-2023 uh, Gulf Storm team. Good afternoon, Ryan, and good afternoon, Amber. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Doing well. Good. Well, thank you all for coming on here and uh, look forward to talking to you about the return of the OHL and uh, this 2022-23 Gulf Storm team. I, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Go ahead. I honestly, I, I cannot wait for the season to be back. I am raring to get back in the building. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, you know, to echo that after what we saw last year, I think that the expectations have certainly gone up in terms of what the Guelph Storm are going to look like. And I think that, if anything, I expect them to be better than they were last year. And why wouldn't you after some of the talent that we saw? Absolutely. I uh, That defense is going to take a step forward. Uh, the offense was already good last year. But going into this year, having a bunch of your young guys really prove themselves last year and now probably getting more top six roles. The big question for me is that backup goalie. Who is it? Because Oster is clearly the starter with Owen Bennett not reporting, with Dixon Grimes uh, being week to week with, I believe, a lower body injury. I saw him get hurt against the uh, Oshawa Generals last Friday, and I think he's going to be out for a little bit while yet. I think they're going to be on the safe side with this injury. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, Tony Saxon, who is a great follow on Twitter for all stuff Guelph Storm reporting yesterday that there was no update and that he's still week to week with an LBI. I was going to say, and uh, I don't know who they have else uh, other than Oscar on the roster right now. Is there another guy they called up or they picked up from a, a junior B team to help out? I know they had three or four different goalies in camp. I could not for the life of me tell you any of their names. 
because to me, I think this is going to be one of their areas they need to address because I'm still not sold on Oscar either. And he's only at what, 17 years old and this is only his second year. It's just I think their defense, like you said, is going to be solid. The Fords should be good. Uh, now, is Sasha Pashinoff going to be returning to this team this year? I definitely think so. I, I don't see any reason why Anaheim would see fit to try and shoehorn him into an AHL role. That's um, that's a little, you know, that league is more physically demanding than I think a lot of people realize. It's It's all guys who are either veteran guys that are no longer in the NHL or are desperate to try and get there or young guys trying to prove that, you know, their draft slot, their draft slot, pardon me, was, was worth the team's time. So I don't, I don't think on Anaheim's part who are in the midst of a long-term rebuild right now, why there would be any rush to try and again, shoehorn passage off into a situation that physically he's probably not ready for. I think he could use another year of junior hockey and what we saw him do last year as an OHL rookie would lead you to believe that he has an opportunity to probably be one of the best goal scorers, if not potentially the best goal scorer in the league this year. And I think that that experience would be invaluable to him. And again, it, it's not to say that he won't be a pro because I think he will. It's just he's a little on the slender side. He could use, you know, another year of putting some meat on the bones. I personally don't think he's ready for pro hockey. And I would I would probably be shocked, honestly, if he wasn't in a Guelph Storm uniform. Amber, what, what do you have to say? Uh, I can't put it as eloquently as that, but uh, that's one thing that I've been really thinking about all summer. It was a good sign for us as Storm fans and as crew and all that, that he was at training camp. Um, it really depends on what he does at – uh, Ducks camp. If if he impresses the coaches, he might get a spot. I'm hoping he ends up back in Guelph because, as Ryan said, he's a really slender dude. So, I personally, at this point in time, I don't know what his summer regime is, but at this point, I think he's too small to be playing pro hockey. He'd get he'd get killed. And I was going to say right now, guys, before we get into questions, I guess the Storm have, what, eight players away at NHL camps? Yeah, which is, like, really impressive, honestly. And, you know, we we talked about that a lot on the broadcast last year, you know, Trevor, Steve, and I. And, um, you know, obviously COVID had a factor in that with kind of stockpiling two years-ish, if you will, worth of picks. But they had a great draft they had a great showing at the nhl draft i personally still feel that danny jilkin should have been a first round pick that's just my opinion um and i think that you know i'm not an expert scout or anything i just yell into the microphone but i personally think in a few years time we'll see that he will outperform some of the guys particularly later in the first round that got picked ahead of him i think winnipeg got a steal to be perfectly honest with you um, so I, I just think that, you know, they have an opportunity this year to do something really special. And those eight guys who I think will all be back. I mean, if, if memory serves the eight players that are gone, obviously Jilkin passed a job. And then you've got Luca Profaka who earned uh, a, a tryout with the ducks and, 
how, how much did we talk about him last year? Like that guy's a pro player. He probably is the most likely to earn a pro contract and maybe not return to Guelph. I think he will come back to Guelph simply because he'll have an opportunity to play on a really good team. And NHL scouts and teams love that. They love when a guy has an opportunity to be part of a really good junior team, but he's a pro player. Like he will be playing pro hockey somewhere. No doubt in my mind. Then of course you've got Matt Poitra who got selected by Boston Cooper Walker. Again, a kid who just grinds, tries so hard, does all the little things, nothing flashy about him. He just goes hard every night. And he's a coach's dream. Really? He earned a try it with Calgary. I think it's safe to say he'll probably be back. Uh, Bowman, Bushinger, Carabella, of course, and, and Danny Jilkin. Yeah, I, I think that there's a high likelihood all eight are back. Profaka would be the guy that I would put money on, maybe not returning. I was going to say, yeah, I think to me, he might, everyone's going to say Cam Allen, but I, I, to me, my favorite defenseman on the, the storm team is Profaka because of his work ethic. He He's good at both ends of the game. And uh, I think you're right. I think he will be in the NHL in the next uh, one or two years, maybe in a year of seasoning in the AHL, but he's definitely has a lot of potential to be in the NHL. And uh, I think him and uh, Cam Allen are going to be uh, two of the best defensemen in the Ontario hockey league this year. Arguably, Profaka was one of the best defensemen last year, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. And from a camera operator's perspective, who mainly does tight follow, Luca Profaka is a human highlight reel for either hits, defensive stops, which a lot of people don't think are highlights. I disagree. Uh, dude doesn't usually use it, but he has an absolute cannon of a shot when he releases it. Absolutely. I was going to say, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this team. And uh, like you said, I guess, well, I think George Burnett, uh, we'll get into that after too with uh, the return of Scott Walker behind the bench and, and George Burnett doing the GM duties as well. But the first question I wanted to ask you guys, both of you, what are your thoughts on the Ontario Hockey League for this coming, I got the year wrong here, uh, boo-boo on my part, thoughts on the Ontario Hockey League for the upcoming 22-23 season overall, and who are some teams in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference to look out for besides the Storm in the West? Well, right off the bat, Owen Sound comes to mind. I mean, they had such an impressive crop of rookie players. I mean, Cedric Gandon immediately jumps off the page at me as a guy who's going to have a monster year. I, I thought that, that they had a trio of guys last year who were incredible. They've got a good decor. They're well coached. We know they're well managed. Dale DeGray is, uh, you know, as as good a GM as you're going to find across junior hockey. I think the Owen Sound attack and the Guelph Storm. I, I, if I were a betting man, which I am, I would be hedging bets on both of them to be a top three team in the Western Conference. I, I think both of them, if all the players that can return do that we just talked about, especially on the Guelph side, I think both those teams have a real opportunity to do something really, really special this year. Uh, I think Mississauga in the East is still going to be really, really good. Hamilton, of course, I think is going to take a step back. That That's to be expected. They went all in last year. It paid off for them. I still think they'll be good. I don't think they'll miss the playoffs, but I think they'll take a step back. Kingston is the X factor for me is Shane Wright coming back. I don't know a guy that gets drafted that highly. That was supposed to be the consensus. Number one pick 
and wasn't, um, generally they don't come back. I, I think he might because Ron Francis typically has been a pretty conservative guy when it comes to prospects, but maybe they feel some pressure in Seattle to have a big name finally attached to the team. Um, I think Oshawa and Ottawa are both going to be really good too in the East, but the one team that really jumped out to me that I think is going to be a real thorn in people's sides next year for both conferences is Owen Sound. If we're not talking Guelph Storm, which is kind of our, our area of shared expertise, I guess, Owen Sound is the team for me that everybody should be looking over their shoulder for. Yeah, and you know what? They don't seem to get enough uh, credit for what they do. Obviously, they haven't won a lot of Memorial Cups, and they've only won the OHL title once. But every year, the Owen Sound attack are very competitive and are a hardworking team. And I agree with you on that, Ryan. Amber, what's your uh, thoughts? Uh, personally, from the East, I don't know too much more so because my team isn't in the Eastern uh, in the Eastern Conference. So one interesting thing. Uh, team to me is Peterborough, honestly. With that, I can't remember how they did last year. I don't think it was too well. So I'm, I'm. They missed. They missed the playoffs. So to see those guys come back another year stronger, another year more experienced in the league, I really want to see what uh, Peterborough does. And also, like, let's be real, Peterborough. I don't think is talked about a lot. OHL wise when it when you have bigger names like your generals your 67s your knights your greyhounds Peterborough to me is I believe a team that will surprise some people where western conference I've I've said this for years the midwestern conference is the division of death it is no, no matter what year it is two teams are good the London, even in their bad years, still ends up finishing sixth somehow. Um, Guelph usually ha- makes the playoffs more often than not. Owen Sound, as I I love Owen Sound. They're my second favorite team in the league. I have an Owen Sound jersey. Um, to me, Guelph and Owen Sound are going to really impress some people this year. And I really, really hope... It's a Highway 6 rivalry in the uh, Western Conference Final. I really hope so. That'd be amazing. I'm going to go with two teams that you guys didn't bring up. Uh, One is the Niagara Ice Dogs, I think, with their new ownership and Wayne Gretzky being a part of it, and Daniel Fitzgerald, who have had on my show, uh, coming from the Brantford 99ers as their new head coach, and getting uh, Pascal Zito from the Spitfires and Matt Pappas from the Storm. I think the Niagara Ice Dogs are going to surprise a few people in the Eastern Conference because they've pretty well overhauled overhauled their uh, roster and I, I think with the new coaching staff and ownership in place I think the Ice Dogs are going to be very competitive this year and might surprise some people and with the Kitchener Rangers uh, they obviously have a new coach behind the bench and McKenzie's back as GM I think Kitchener and uh, Niagara are two of the teams that I would keep an eye out for just my gut feelings well Kitchener's always you know they're always in the mix. And I mean, they're just such a historic franchise that you can't not pay attention to what they're up to. I think they'll probably be better this year too. And I mean, you know, I I think the thing that hurt them the most last year, when it came down to the nitty gritty situations of the difference between a win and a loss 
was their goal scoring ability. Like they, they are a little, I don't want to say bereft because that's probably a little harsh, but when I look around at other teams like Guelph, London last year, we'll see if some of those guys come back this year. We're talking Evangelista and Strongest. That's, you know, that's up in the air. But you look around at some of the top end town, particularly in, in the West. Did Kitchener really have anybody on their team last year that jumped out at you offensively? Not really. They had a bunch of like good, solid players, but nobody that I would describe as you know, a, a star, certainly no one that would come up within the top 10 offensive talents, top 15, even offensive talents in the league. And I'm not trying to be harsh with them. I just think that that's what hurt them last year. This year we'll see. I mean, Burstowitz looks like the real deal. It looks like they're going to get an injection of skill there. I love Joseph Serpa. I love the career he's carved out for himself. I watched him in junior B and and he struggled when he first came here. He's really turned into a good player. Uh, Zidlicki is going to get an opportunity to take a step forward. Of course, I, I think everybody there has big expectations for a kid like Carson Rakoff. I, I think Kitchener will be better this year. Will they be on par talent-wise with the Owen Sounds and what we expect you know, the Guelph Storm to be? I don't know, but they'll be in the mix. As far as Niagara goes, I think everybody's just interested to see how they lay down a new foundation. That was a gong show last year. It was embarrassing for the league. It was embarrassing for the sport. And I think that uh, everybody's just kind of keyed in, myself included, kind of from afar, to see how they try and turn this around and fix it. Like, it's it's a great building there. It's a good fan base. And hopefully they can get it right because it like when it clicks in Niagara and they have a good team, it's a fun place to be around. And last year was not fun. So hopefully they can figure it out. I was going to say, what are you guys thoughts on Matt Pappas going to the ice dogs and, and how much will golf miss him? And what kind of numbers can you see him uh, producing in Niagara falls or Niagara this year? I think like he was such a popular teammate. Like you could really tell that all the guys loved him when he scored. Like everybody was excited. He's a hard worker. He's not a big guy, but he's perfectly happy to get his nose dirty and take, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even keep up with the cross checks he took in the back last year in front of the net on power plays. Like the, the kid is everything you want in an OHL player. I think he's probably going to get a lot more ice time. He's a veteran guy who's proven he can score. Wouldn't shock me to see him score 20 in Niagara with some of the young kids that they're bringing through there. I think I'd, I'd safely mark him down for like a 20 goal, maybe 50, 55 point season simply because I think he is good enough to do that. And he's going to get the ice time as a veteran guy. He's going to be one of the more veteran guys on that team. And they'll show them the respect in terms of ice time. Ember? I was thinking about the same, about 20, 25 goals, 50, 55 points. Uh, Guelph did want to keep him. He was an overager. And from what I heard, it came down between him and McFarlane. And I love Matt Pappas, but I'm sorry. I love Ben McFarlane more. Both two amazing players. But Ben McFarlane does a little bit more than Pappas does. He does penalty kills. He's... He'll fight if he ha if he has to, and about half the time last year, I'm pretty sure he wanted to. Uh, 
he's five eight, but don't tell him that. Uh, yeah. Like my dad, who barely follows the team, if he knows your name, you're doing something right. And in the past five six years, he's known two names: Ben McFarlane and Cedric Ralph. So I think that should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, and like I said, and unfortunately, sometimes with OHL teams, they got to make hard decisions uh, with overagers, which ones to keep, because I believe you're only allowed to have three on the roster during the regular season and the playoffs. It's two or three. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, it's you're you're allowed three at at lower levels, depending on what league. I know Junior B is three usually as well. Junior C is four depending on the league, but yeah, OHL, you're allowed three. And yeah, unfortunately it's just a tough decision, right? That's, that's the cyclical nature of junior hockey. But the, I guess the nice side of it is, is when you have too many guys that are overagers that are going to be useful to teams like a Niagara, who's trying to right the ship there and could use a guy like Matt Pappas on their roster, you can kind of benefit from either getting another player or getting some picks. And that's exactly what Guelph did. And, I bet Matt's going to have a good solid year in Niagara. He's going to endear himself to the fans there, just like he did at the Sleeman Center. And can't wait to see him back in the building. I'm sure the guys will uh, be ready to receive him back uh, with open arms because he was a really popular guy. I'm going to say he's going to get 30 goals and 35 assists for 65 points with the Ice Dogs. That's my prediction. 30, 35, Bold, taking the over. 65, yeah. yeah. I like I, it. Uh, I like so, it. I'm happy definitely. taking the under on that one. But I was going to say, a year ago, guys, didn't the Storm start out the season without even an overager on the team last year, I believe? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they had no overagers up until, you know, they made uh, two separate Saprika. trades with, with Sarnia. They got Saprika, and then, of course, Guy and Reeser came in a, in a package deal two weeks before the deadline, I think that was. And, I mean, Guy was the big get like and like he he even exceeded i think what guelph expected of him they thought this guy's gonna come in he's a captain ended up wearing the c for guelph and he completely blew everybody's expectations out of the water they figured we're gonna get this gritty veteran guy he's gonna come in set a tone physically label people along the wall he's gonna bring guys into the fight and he did fight a few times but bigger than that boy did he score some big goals for the team Holy cow, like he just out of nowhere got this clutch gene and he was fantastic. I thought Saprika was a little up and down. He, you know, they had to put him in it forward some of the time just simply because of some injury issues that Guelph ran into later in the year. And I thought he he was solid, um, if not unspectacular. I thought he played pretty okay. And Reeser, I mean, Reeser was an excellent ad on the penalty kill in particular. The punishment he took and the shots he blocked. Um, I thought all three guys were, were welcome additions and you could tell it, it improved the cohesiveness in the room. Three older guys come in and everybody respected them and, and everybody started playing a little harder, especially when guy would get going on the four check. Like he led the charge most nights and that's why George strapped the C on him. And, uh, I mean, he was well worth it. Amber? Yeah. With, with, with guy coming over in that trade, I don't watch a lot of Sarnia Sting hockey, despite having a member of my family who loved the Sting. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. I wanted Saprika to do well because I have a game-used Saprika jersey from when he was in Peterborough. Um, but Guy really basically was captain from day one. The, when he got there and started playing, 
the team looked different. I remember when he got hurt and he was gone. I can't remember how many games. But I remember after one game, I was just like, the team is just so different without him. There is no fight in this dog without Brandon Guy there as their leader. Okay, and that leads to my next, uh, I was going to bring this up. Obviously, with this 2022-23 team, who are some of the leaders you, who are some of the players you expect to be solid leaders for this team this year? Well, Luca Profak off the top yeah. is, is give is him the, the C. Give I, him yeah. the C. I couldn't agree more, Ember. I, 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 I don't look out at the roster and see a more suitable captain. Uh, based on everything we kind of said earlier, and I mean, we all know what Bill Granger thought of him, and uh, we all feel the same. This kid's a pro player, and he he's overcome a lot, right? Like he he doesn't have a lot of flash in his game. He's old school. He lays the body. He lays out and blocks shots. He's got a great defensive stick, and and like Ember said, you know that's not the the sexy stuff that shows up on the highlight reel, but it's important. You need guys like that to win hockey games. You know, so I, I think that it just makes so much sense for him to wear the C. I'd actually be shocked if he didn't. And then beyond him, you know, Matt Poitra, I thought he he played so well last year as a rookie, uh, earned himself a great pick. I think the Boston Bruins organization is thrilled that they were able to get him in the second round because much like Jilkin, I think time might show that he probably should have been a first rounder too. I trumpeted it all year. I thought the two of those guys were first round picks in my opinion anyway. Um, I think he'll be part of the leadership core. And, you know, you look down the list and, you know, Danny Jilkin is probably a guy who who kind of goes about his business on the ice quietly. He's kind of, you know, when past the job's not going, Danny Dangles is the guy that kind of stirs the drink there. He's going to be a big part of the team. Um, but I completely agree with Ember. Like when, when I think captain, I think of Luca Profaka first and foremost. There is that old adage in hockey, like to build a winning team, you have more captains in the room than guys who wear letters. That's right. So for me, Danny Dangles, as you said, Ben McFarlane, Cooper Walker, uh, there was some photos floating around Instagram of Braden Bowman wearing a letter. So to me, you have a lot of leaders in this dressing room. I just hope it translates well to the ice. When do you think George Burnett and Scott Walker will sit down and make a decision on this? Do you think they'll do it just before the home opener, or do you think they might wait wait a few games into the regular season? Yeah, that's a good question because you never really know with George. He He's a guy that, I mean, he's. I, I've heard people kind of joke that he's the Lou Lamorello of the OHL. I was just about to say that. He's the Lou Lamorello of <laughs> the is. OHL. And he, and he is. I mean, I, he's certainly not as uh, crotchety, if you will, as as Lou is, but he but he is similar in the sense that he plays his cards very tight to his chest. He he he's not a guy that's going to reveal a bunch of information about a certain player, an injury, a situation like he he gives you the bland answer and when George wants to tell you what's up, you'll know the second he makes up his mind. I I wouldn't be surprised if I think just based on the way this team is setting up I think that we'll know who the leadership core is before game one. Last year, they had no overagers like we just talked about. 
There was no real good definitive look at what a leadership core is. They've had a year to watch these guys now and expect to be, at least I do, and I think the, the fans in Guelph do, a good team here. So I think that they will have a leadership core announced before the season starts. What do you think, Amber? I mean, I know before the home opener, they're doing like a big band fa- uh, fan fest downtown. It would be incredibly good PR if you announced the captains at that event right before the game. And then, of course, since I'm inside putting stuff together and getting ready to shoot, I'm going to miss it. I was going to say we're going to have a new producer this year for the Storm yeah. Games. I guess it's going to be um, Robert and Adam, I guess, combination of both of them. I've worked with both. I love working with both of them. Adam, I've worked with a little a little longer with doing wrestling and all that different stuff. Uh, Robert, I worked more with when he was a volunteer before um, he got the job at Rogers. So I'm I'm excited to work with both. I love working with both of them, and I cannot say enough good things about both of them. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait to do the broadcast uh, next week against the Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah, it'll be fun. I I would just like to say, obviously, we're going to miss Neil. I mean, Neil White. Um, you know, I I did some fill-in duty over the last couple years before COVID, just as Neil was kind of coming in as the permanent bra- uh, producer, I should say, with Guelph. And then I met him a couple times prior to me becoming a permanent member of the team. And... Uh, yeah, he, he was my first producer as a full-time OHL broadcaster. And I I can't say enough great things about the guy. Like he made my job so easy. I I felt like I was part of the team for 20 years, just like Steve Fitzsimmons has been. Like he he made everybody better. He made everybody want to be better. Um, and uh as far as Adam and Rob go, I'm excited to work with them too because Neil has had nothing but good things to say to me about both of them. And if Neil White thinks you're a good guy, then that says a lot to me. So I'm excited to get the season going. Yeah, and it's not easy being a producer. You're basically like a quarterback on a, a football team. You have to be good at every area of the broadcaster. Well, no he'll other- hate me. Neil will hate me for saying this. He he was our Tom Brady. I'm not going to compare him to a Dolphins quarterback. I know he's a big Dolphins fan because the Dolphins suck. All right. I know how week one went, Neil. All right. I don't need your texts. Okay. But he, he seriously, and I, I don't say that lightly as a Patriots fan, he was our Tom Brady and uh, we're, we're going to miss him. Okay. I'm just going to get into some more questions. Um, what did you guys both think of the last year's Storm team overall and their first round playoff series to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds? And how valuable would that experience uh, with young players playing will help them this year? Well, I think I think last year you could certainly say a couple things about, about the Storm. They were surprising. They were consistently inconsistent and they were very exciting to watch. Like they, they ended up on the OHL highlight of the night a lot. I believe they actually tied for the fourth most appearances. They were so fun to watch. 
but you never knew what you were going to get. And that was to be expected with, like, I remember the first broadcast of the year, we were going, you know, if these guys can finish sixth or seventh in the West and kind of, you know, find their feet a little bit. I mean, they were in first place at the Christmas break, that long COVID layoff. You could tell it really affected them. They were on a heater. That last game against London on December 18th, they were like, they were feeling it and they were having a lot of fun. Then we get the fans back in the building and they kind of stumbled all over themselves a little bit. They had a bit of a rough ride down the, the last stretch of the season, end up in fifth. And I think that, I think that ultimately, obviously, playoff experience is great, especially at this age. I think they got a really good look at just how hard it is to win in this league from a Sioux team that was really deep, that was really disappointed to not go all the way. They felt like they had a team that could have won an OHL title. I think that Guelph's young guys and and particularly the star players leading the way, your Pasta Jobs, your Jilkins, your Poitras, Carabella, go down the list. I think they all got a look at what a really deep, hard-working, well-structured team. Because that's one thing you couldn't really say about the Storm last year. Like, I don't think anybody would describe them as well-structured a majority <laughs> of the time. It was kind of a fire sale and wild three-goal comebacks. How many times did they come back from multi-goal deficits halfway through the game? Um, I think they got a really good look and will take some lessons because the Sioux, as much as some of the games were close, the Sioux handled them handedly and and i think that they got a big wake-up call about what it's going to take to have success in the ohl i, I was going to say the, the, the same thing like sue made them taste their own blood metaphorically speaking so i watched game five and about halfway through the first i'm like oh no insert some expletives uh this team is cooked but if you're someone like Profaka, leader in that room, after that game, you go, boys, welcome to playoff hockey. You want to win? We have to beat this team. So go home during the summer, work hard, show up at camp, and let's kick their you-know-whats next season. Now, that being said, the Sioux always have a really good team, and they always seem to be Guelph's kryptonite. So I hope, I hope that this year they can finally slay the Dragon. And I was going to say, and it's also going to be nice to see uh, the Eastern Conference teams too, because we didn't get to see them uh, last year due to the pandemic. So it's going to be nice to see teams like Hamilton come into town, Oshawa, Peterborough, uh, et cetera, come in and play the Guelph Storm as well. Yeah, that'll be a nice, a nice change as, as much as I, as much as I really love, you know, the, the rivalries, particularly in this Midwest Conference Guelph and Kitchener, Guelph and Sound, London, of course. I mean, it, you kind of are like, boy, there are other teams in the league, right? Like, you know, Fitzy and I would show up and be like, I just saw this guy's name on the sheet a week ago. Like, what the hell's going on here? Like, there's other teams, right? Um, and I, yeah, I, as much as I like seeing, uh, you know, Chris Pope and you know, the, the Rangers broadcasters and, and Mike, and um, they were probably getting sick of seeing me, to be honest. So it will be nice to have a little bit more variety at the Sleeman Center this year um, because there's great players in the East that we just didn't get to see, and that's a shame. But I'm really, really looking forward to this year because it's it's going to be back to business. 
Hey, uh, thoughts on uh, Jack Moore being named the uh, Oshawa General's full-time radio announcer. I believe it was yesterday, and he announced it on his Twitter page. I think it's a great hire. I mean, he's, he's got a great voice. He's got a great delivery. I think he's going to make fans there really happy. I, like, and, and to be honest, I, I think most broadcasters would tell you this. I certainly think so. Calling the games calling hockey games on the radio is way harder than calling it on TV because with TV, you kind of are letting the picture tell the story, obviously a little bit. You're just kind of trying to add some extra information. Certainly as the color voice, you're just trying to inject a bit of information that maybe people don't see particularly breaking down replays, which I love doing on the radio. Like you have to describe everything everything that's going on where exactly the puck is far boards near boards behind the net you have to be a motor mouth like it's hard to do play-by-play -play, especially on the radio and i think they made a great hire he's gonna do a great job amber thoughts i don't know uh anything about this person i'm really guelph centric when it comes to uh personalities that would do broadcast so i'm gonna have to take your guys's word for it I was going to say, uh, Ryan, since I have you on, do you know who they're replacing, who they'd have replacing Jack on the Rangers broadcast or they haven't announced that yet? I don't think they've announced it. And I haven't even, I haven't even been able to talk to anybody over there yet this year. Like I, I know the guys over there, Sean for and all, all those guys on the crew. I haven't even, you know, thought to reach out to them. I'm, I'm sure whoever they get's going to do a good job. Like they always have a good crew. So, um, I, I would assume that whoever they pick, it's going to be with good reason because they're one of the better broadcasts to, to watch across junior hockey in general. Forget about the OHL. They always do a really great job over there and they should because the Kitchener Rangers. Okay. Uh, Amber, I want to, I wanted to bring this up with you too, since you've been a volunteer with Rogers for eight years and a camera operator. Everybody realizes the broadcasters, they get on TV and radio, they get a lot of the credit and stuff, but the behind the scenes guys too. And uh, just tell us about your eight years with Rogers and uh, what you like the most about doing it and, and doing and set up for the Gulf Storm games as well. Um, yeah, it has been eight years. Um, you know, technically it's, going into my eighth season because of the COVID shutdown year, I choose to count it because I would have done it if they allowed me to. But um, I, yeah, I've been there a while. I love what I do. Um, an average day for me, it's like my sleep schedule is usually messed up. So it's like, get up at noon, shower, have something to eat. I'm out the door at two. I'm there by two 30 and then work begins. And then you set up everything. Then we usually have some downtime. Uh, so we middle around, we go to the mall and which is in the adjoining building and like buy an energy drink, have food. And then it's game time. And at that point I am, I'm a former athlete. So I'm, I'm very superstitious in, 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 in certain things that I do. So come game time, I always do the same thing. I'm laser focused. And, uh, one of my profs, when I was in college, for tv said the high that you get from doing a live broadcast is better than any drug you will ever 
find. And I absolutely agree with that. The adrenaline rush that I get when I hear the producer counting down for us to go to air gets the blood pumping. I was going to say, uh, Ryan, uh, what's it like for you and Steve uh, before a game, just for the audience as well? Because everybody thinks, oh, the, the hockey game, this is easy, but they don't realize how much work there is in a setup and then a teardown and then what you guys have to do for your uh, part of the broadcast as well. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, Ember is someone that we really lean on, especially me, because last year was my first full-time season covering the team. Ember's an encyclopedia for the Guelph Storm, like, knows everything. Could name, like, probably every player over the last 30-plus years. It's, you know, it's great having people around like that that care that much about the team you're covering, because you just have so much more information to kind of lean on and glean from the people and and Ember's one of the people there that you can tell really cares about being there. And that makes life great for us because like we don't do any of the setup and tear down. Like I don't know how much people realize with live sports, the amount of work that's going in. Like Ember shows up at the rink at two 30. I show up at the rink at six. Like I, I walk in, everything's done. Like I just show up and put a headset on, you know, essentially now, to your question, I mean, is it that easy? I always kind of laugh when, you know, people more so with Steve because he, Steve likes himself a good Twitter battle. Um, oh, I, don't I know it? I, I have seen <laughs> yeah. them. Steve, Steve is not afraid to uh, go at people. Uh, I couldn't care less. I, I would say I'm lucky because I think our crew, you know, I'm biased. I think we have the best crew in the league. Ember's a big part of that. I mean, did we ever hear our producers in our ear going, sorry, we don't have that shot. We don't have that on replay. No, Neil, anytime I asked for a replay, of course we had it because we've got the best people. Um, so that makes my life easy, but it does kind of, um, it does bother me a little bit when people say, oh, anybody could do that. It's a, I don't care if people think I suck as a broadcaster. You I don't, care by less. the way. You don't. I, I appreciate that. I hope. Well, they, they want me back for some reason. Um, I say that every year about myself, too. So I know. Right. It's 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 a luxury for sure. But I, I couldn't care less what people think of me as a broadcaster. The w only thing that bothers me is when people go, oh, well, anybody could do that. Well, then why aren't you here? Like it. P I've seen people say that get behind a microphone, not even live and freeze. It's, it's, it's a refined skill, I guess, if I can call it that, you know, without sounding like an idiot, but basically, you know, for Steve and I, we show up at the rink. We'll generally have a meeting with the producer and Trevor, our great host, Trevor Pryor. He's the man. We'll all stand there and kind of go over who we want to cover in terms of player to watch, which usually I pick for both teams so and that Trevor can... And then Ember shoots all that great stuff, the B-roll stuff that we run as I talk over it um, to open the broadcast. Trevor interviews those two players. We go over, um, you know, if there's any important stats or streaks that are, you know, something to pay attention to in that game. 
go over any injury notes, wait until they put the lineup up and then adjust accordingly. And then we'll sit there and usually talk with the visiting broadcast crew about a certain player or, you know, a, a winning streak, a losing streak. What's up with the coach, you know, just get general notes so that I have a plethora of stuff. Like I write all my stuff down on the roster sheets they give us. It looks like chicken scratch by the end of the game. Cause I'm just constantly writing down any little anecdote I have as a color guy um, to throw out and try and make the broadcast sound interesting. And Steve is generally like, if, if I'm doing play by play when Steve's not there or, you know, Steve's there doing play by play generally get a little quiet, maybe half hour before puck drop, rest the voice a little bit and zone in. I mean, I, I usually Steve will write a couple notes down. Um, I'll throw some music on and just kind of get in the zone and get ready to do the best job in sports. It's like, it's a blessing, really. It's a lot of fun. And maybe I have a couple donuts in the media room beforehand. You know, I try and stay away from the donuts, but um, yeah, have a coffee and we're ready to go. And I was going to say, uh, do you feel a little bit more comfortable this year being in your second full year doing this, Ryan, with Rogers in the store? I mean, like I said, when we were talking about Neil, like I felt comfortable last year. I like I walked in and no one, you know, and Ember was a big part of this. Like no one was weird to me. And like, where's Bill? That's odd, you know? I'm weird in general. Well, I, well, I am too. I think, you know, us creatives are, uh, you know, we're a good bunch to kind of be in the same room. Right. And, um, like, yeah, I, I feel the same. I, I think that I had a really unique luxury though, because like I've known Fitzy, I'd known Fitzy for five years before I started doing storm games. Fitzy and I met when I used to host a hockey show in his hometown in Hanover on the local radio station there, they hired me to host a show and Fitzy was my co-host. Like, so I've known him for ages and Bill used to be the great Bill Granger. He used to be our OHL insider on that show. So I knew Bill too. So I kind of walked in already knowing my broadcast partner really, really well, his, his intricacies, how he likes to call a game. I would like to think that you would find, we don't talk over each other very much. I, I can read Steve's wavelength and vice versa. And, you know, you walk in and everybody on the crew, including you two were extremely cool to me. I the only I, I would say for about the first month, I felt a little weird just because of who I replaced because Bill was such a legend and deserved the kind of respect. I I really hope I I did well because I, I can't say fill his shoes because you can't fill somebody like Bill Granger's shoes. I just wanted to be myself and not try and replace Bill. Um and I, I think I settled into that after about a month, but I was comfortable with the whole crew and the setup pretty much from the word go. And, you know, I thank you guys for being a part of that because it, again, like it made my first year, you know, a joy. 
And I think I appreciate, I can't speak for Amber, but I, I think I appreciate doing the games more now than before because of the pandemic and having that shutdown oh. for a year and a half, a year and a half we lost. And, uh, like I said, uh, I'm just glad things are back to normal. And, um, like I said, I just want to keep getting more experience with this as well. And and even when I started, I had no broadcasting experience other than doing one golf night hockey game. And the crew and Amber took me in. And if I didn't know something, uh, you guys would be really good with uh, showing me or being patient with me. And uh, nobody, not one person I, since I've been there has put me down because of my age. Uh, yeah. I, I, I will say, uh, as someone who you know, grew up a lifelong storm fan, used to be a season ticket holder. So like I was either at the game or watching it on TV or the radio. Cause I had some other stuff I had to do. So for me growing up, it was as, as our uh, tech producer would like to say the father, son and the goalie host. Um, I, I love that so much and I will never let it die. You know, kind of that was the epitome of, like hockey broadcasting. Like I wouldn't say I idolized Steve, but like, I really looked up to him. My play by play is trash by the way, but like, I really copy his, his cadence because that's what I know. And that's what I, I believe is really, really good play by play. So uh, I don't want to sound like I was like, Oh, Ryan's this outsider. No, it was, it was weird. The first couple of games just being like, I'm used to hearing bill. And then just not, but in this business, especially with volunteers, there's such a big turnover all the time. Oh, Bill's retired and we got a replacement. Cool. Let's go. I hope he's good. I was going to say, Hey guys, and I was going to remember I was 40 years ago. I think this month I went to my first ever OHL game at the old Guelph Memorial gardens, the Kitchener Rangers and Guelph Platers. When the Platers became an expansion franchise, the I, to this day, I think they're the worst expansion franchise ever, but it was such a big deal back then 40 years ago. And remember seeing Don Cameron, the boost for the Kitchener Rangers and Norm Jerry, the former mayor of Guelph call the games for the, uh, the Platers back then and being in that building. And it's just hard to believe it's been 40 years since my first OHL game. Yeah. It's incredible too. When you consider that, yeah, the Platers had a, a rough go, it's incredible now to think back on the the rich history that the Guelph Storm have established. They've done an awful lot of winning. And I mean, you know, as Ember said, it, it's pretty rare. You got to dig pretty deep and look back on some, some leaner years where they didn't make the playoffs. They're usually competitive. They draft extremely well, particularly with import players. Which, by the way, we didn't mention uh, Valentin Jugan. I think Valentin Jugan scoring twenty goals this year. Um, their their import record is incredible. When you consider what you just said, Chris, and then you look back on when they got a team back and and became the Storm, the the just extremely well run machine that it's become in terms of not only just being a solid OHL team, but cranking out good NHL talent. A lot of good players have come through there. Ryan Callahan, Drew Doughty. You know, you go down the list. Nico Dawes is going to be the next one that gets a lot of attention. Poitra, Jilkin, Pastajov. Like, the Storm have established a really, really great foothold in junior hockey, and, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. 
You know, at the time, I was, as a 17-year-old kid, I was devastated when the uh, Platers moved to Owen Sound. But you know what? In hindsight, that actually helped the city of Guelph prepare for a, a team like the Storm in the future and have uh, more success. And it, it actually worked out for Owen Sound in Guelph. So at the time, it was hard being a, a hockey fan in the city and not having junior hockey for a couple years. But in the long term, it's been the best thing for Owen Sound and Guelph now with the storm and hopefully for another 30 years. I agree. That just makes me want to go, but I haven't been up to Owen sound to a game in uh, 15, almost 20 years. So, and I remember back then the Owen sound fans, and I'm not saying Guelph isn't because Guelph is very passionate too, but let's be real. Owen sound is the smallest OHL market. There's not really a lot of going on up there. So like every there's nothing to do and everyone's at the nothing to use a kind of insulting uh metaphor. Okay. Well, Are you guys oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Well, I that's a good point because Owen Sound, like it's the scenic city, it's a beautiful place, but it is kind of almost like a the forgotten little brother of the OHL. And uh you know, make that assessment at your own peril, you know, other fan bases. It's a great place to see a game. There's just like something about an old rink and the Lumley, the Harry Lumley Bayshore arena is an old rink. You know, it's not the Kitchener odd, you know, it's, it's got a, about, I think it's about 15 ish years newer than the odd. If that, but it's an old barn with a low ceiling and the fans are right on top of you. And man, when, when they get rocking in there, like the town knows they're the small market and they rally around that. Like they take pride in it and they got a, they got a diehard dedicated fan base over there in bear country. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to, this leads to my question for both of you guys. Um, what are your thoughts on the return of Scott Walker behind the bench for the first time since 2015 and George Burnett being the general manager. And yeah, just, I want your thoughts on that as well. I, I personally don't mind the move. It is a bit of a, you know, the devil, you know, scenario. You can't argue with the track record in this league that Scott has. And I mean, as a, as a pro player, he was, a lot like his son. I don't know that Cooper is going to be a guy that drops the mitts as often as Scott did, which I had the pleasure of watching him do for a couple of years as, as a Washington capital, but you can't argue with the, with the way that he gets young guys to buy in. And I think that you're going to see a Guelph team that is not going to get into as many of those, um, you know, fire wagon games where there's just goals galore all the time. I think you're going to see them play a little more structured in their own zone. That's something that Scott's going to harp on for sure. Um, and in terms of what it does for George, who's a great coach, like he's fourth all time in OHL wins. Like, like let's not discount how great of a coach George is. I think as he gotten a little older, he'd probably tell you that he has wanted to lean more into the front office and 
letting someone else handle the on ice duties, given what all, what all happened with COVID getting thrown in the mix. I think he was happy to do it last year, but I think that this, and maybe not even necessarily with Scott coming back, but I think that this situation was always at the front of George's mind next year. I'm going to be the GM and run the, run the team and someone else is going to be behind the bench. And it just so happens to be a 2014 OHL champion. Ember, what's your thoughts? Interestingly enough, that championship season was my first season at Rogers. So I remember bits and pieces, but that team, that team in 2013, 2014 walked to the Memorial cup final and then just didn't show up. But that team was built guys like Bert, Kazi, Nichols and net the top to bottom. That team was willing to run through a wall for each other. Now, interesting this year, the teams are built way differently. This team is close to being a contender. Would it surprise me if they were in the final? No. Would it surprise me if, you know, they got to the second, third round and lost to another team who deserves it? Also, no. So um, I'm really interested to see uh, how Scott handles things. From what you two have said, he's really good at motivating young guys, which, I mean, if you built your t- your team well enough, the coach doesn't have to because, you know, energy goes top down. So your captains are motivating and and putting a fire under the guys butts that are playing two three minutes a night and make them feel like they're just as important as the uh first liners question for you ryan and maybe amber too if you know this is scott walker still allowed to have part ownership of the team being a head coach like i'm not sure how that works in the ontario hockey league with ownership and being a part of the the coaching staff I was he was majority owner when he coached last time. So, yeah, he okay. he is allowed. Um, I know that in the Constitution, which is across the CHL, I know it differs a little bit between the three leagues, but there are certain there are certain rules in there. I couldn't tell you what all of them are. It's a pretty extensive document. Um, there are rules with how certain things are more so not allowed to happen when you are coaching or, or a GM, when you have part ownership of the team, uh, see Flint firebirds from a couple years ago. Now, of course the owner was not, uh, well, he essentially tried to be a pseudo GM and, uh, we all know how that turned out. So like there's rules and stuff in place, essentially codes of conduct, if you will. Um, but yeah, he, he's absolutely allowed to keep his, his ownership stake in the team, which I think is somewhere around eight or 9% now. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, my thoughts, I, I've noticed this too. Uh, a lot of the teams in the Ontario Hockey League are, are going to back to having a coach and general manager. I don't know if there's too many teams now, uh, maybe the London Knights, that uh, have the coach and the general manager. Like I know with uh, the Knights, uh, obviously Dale Hunter is a coach, but uh, him and Mark are running the operations as well. But I find a lot of OHL teams now are going to back to the old head coach and GM instead of having guys do one both jobs. That's a, a lot of work on that. And I would love to talk to someone like George Burnett about how time consuming that was being a head coach and also doing the general manager's duty at the same time. 
it, I can't imagine it's an easy thing to do. And I don't know. I, I do have relatives, you know, luckily enough for me to kind of glean information like this from that, that work in the NHL where I would actually venture to say it might be harder to do that at the junior level simply because of, you know, they'd be di difficult for different reasons. NHL, you're trying to handle a salary cap, finances, getting guys contracts structured. You're not doing that at the OHL level. But what you are doing is having to constantly worry about persistent roster turnover. Like, you have four years. Not, Go. It, exactly. You're not signing, you know, Matt Poitra and Danny Jokin to eight-year deals and locking them in as part of your you know, the core of your team for years on end, nearly a decade. You don't get to do that at the OHL level. You constantly have to be recruiting other players from other countries. You have to, you know, have almost a three-year, if not four-year plan constantly where you know, even if I have a player that's a star, I am going to lose him, whether I like it or not, at some point because of age. So it's got to be pretty time consuming and i yeah it is a lot more common in the ohl i would imagine simply because of fi financial you know realities for certain teams it's just easier to pay one guy to do it um and do both than to have to split the salary and and pay a higher amount for two people to do one job that's probably literally what it boils down to but it's got to be pretty difficult i would think I, I can't imagine being uh, doing one of those jobs, let alone doing both. No. I mean, I am just a camera person. I'm not in any type of room. But, like, man, there are certain games where, like, the coach part of me comes out and I'm standing there like a frustrated coach. I'm pacing back. And, oh, watching hockey with me is real interesting, especially when coach me comes out. Definitely. Hey, are you guys okay for two more questions? Yeah. Ab absolutely. Okay, this one I had to ask you. Who are some of the rookies on this Storm team the fans and the OHL fans of other teams should watch out for this season? I think, uh, so they've confirmed it, that this is the setup that they're going to run with in terms of the Junior B team as well. So obviously, their second rounder, Hunter McKenzie, is a guy that is pretty highly touted. And they've confirmed that he's essentially going to split now i don't know what that means does that mean 50 50 does that mean 60 40 i don't know it'll depend on how he plays obviously but hunter mckenzie is a kid that's going to split some time between the air centennials in the junior b and the guelph storm so i think he is a player he scored his first gojhl career goal the other day and it was a beautiful shot he's got a wicked release he projects out to be a really good ohl goal scorer um He's a guy that if he is in the lineup, you should probably pay attention to him. Obviously, Rowan Top as well is going to be a factor on this team. How much this year? I don't know. This will be a year simply because we're going back to normal. Top that... and um, both second and third round picks got sent to air. So That's how right. much time how much time they spend there? Who's to say? We're not in the room. I imagine exactly. they're going to do it like kind of what they did with Nar, which is you're not really going to see a lot of games. You're going to be playing mostly in junior B, but you're going to be at all the practices. You're going to be a member of this team, just not on the ice. 
Yeah, okay. I agree. That's probably how it works out. Like they'll they'll get to be around the team, get to benefit from the training facilities and being around the guys and kind of learn what it means to be a Guelph Storm player. If either of them suited up for more than 10, 11 games, I'd be shocked unless, of course, injuries happen. We saw what happened last year with a guy like Zach Sandu, for instance. That would be the only way I would see them playing a, a lot. Okay, definitely. And I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with this this question for both of you. Uh, what will be the strengths of this Storm team and what area that could be approved upon during the season? And where do you guys see the Storm in win total and finishing in the uh, Western Conference this year? So uh, I think the obvious strength is offense. They've got guys that can put the puck in the net and, and it goes right down through the depth of the lineup. Ben McFarlane, he is a guy with a lethal shot. He can offer more. I just talked about Valentin Jugan, who I think has so much skill. Look at some of his highlights from last year, particularly in the shootout. He's got filthy mitts. I, I think he's scoring 20 bare minimum high teens. He's going to get power play looks as well. Cause he's got a great one timer. You look all the way down, Danny Dangles, Jilkin is going to have a big year. I think Sasha Pastajov is going to have a 90-plus point season and probably score 45. Pastajov is good enough at this level to score 50. Now, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on him. I'm just saying he can, and, and he'd be the first one to do that since Ratcliffe, obviously, who had a dynamite year that season for the Storm. I think Pastajov, different offensive player. He does it in a different way. And you, I mean, you talk about one timers. I mean, Pasajov's got one of the best in junior hockey. Um, goal scoring is going to be their biggest strength. Goaltending is going to be the the area that has a question mark, and and maybe not as big a question mark as some. Like, keep in mind, like Jacob Oster as a sixteen turning seventeen year old last year had the seventh best goals against average in the entire OHL last year. And that was with him until later in the season when Owen Bennett really started faltering. Oster was able to do that with a faltered schedule. They were running Bennett one night, and no matter how well he played, Oster would be in the next night. No matter how well he played, Bennett would go back. They were running kind of... So he never really got to build consistently until later in the season and had the seventh best goals against in, in the league. But... That being said, he's 17. I'm struggling to think of an OHL champion that had a 17-year-old goalie in that. And then Dixon Grimes, who I love to death. He's a great kid. I cover the Listowel Cyclones here in town. They're down the street from me. He is an elite junior B goalie. Is he going to be able to finally seize an opportunity with Bennett out of the picture now to make Guelph comfortable enough to run them as a battery? I don't know. And that's the thing. If he can't, George is going to have to make a decision on what he wants to do in terms of trying to acquire a veteran goalie. But that's the obvious place they could improve on. In terms of the standings, I think Guelph is going to finish second or third. I, I dare not touch the sun and say they're finishing first in the Western Conference because I think Owen Sound is really going to give them a run for their money. I think they're going to finish top three, though, I, because I think that they're that good. They're going to be that much more improved. Fifth last year, I don't think with the returning cast that they have year, another year wiser and stronger and with Scott Walker behind the bench, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they're a top two or three Western Conference team. 
Okay, Amber, what's your thoughts? How do you think they'll finish and, and win total? I personally uh, see them around the three or four spot. Would not surprise me for them to finish higher. It's the OHL. Crazy stuff happens all the time. It's just the nature of the beast. But um, to me, their strength from what I see is their depth, both scoring-wise and on that back end. Yes, you're going to have some question marks on where, where everybody fits in, especially on defense with the new import, with um, all those bubble players last year who I imagine will take um, – have more definitive roles this year plus george went out and i believe traded for a defenseman from sudbury i believe i can't remember what team so where does he fit in but the biggest question mark for me is goaltending do i believe jacob oster can lead this team yes were there times last year where i wanted to beat my head against the wall because he did something astronomically dumb yes i can remember one spot where like he went to play a puck behind the net, was just way too slow. The player came in and easiest goal of that player's career. That was Flint, wasn't it? That that Flint game that got out of hand for them and then it went to overtime. Wasn't that uh wasn't that Amadeus Lombardi that stripped the puck from him? If my memory's foggy, but yeah, I I remember the play you're talking about, and Steve and I kind of going, Oh, I, there's no good way to sugarcoat what just happened there. You and I pretty much had the same reaction of just what just happened. His puck playing is not Jake's strength. Like he he he's not a great puck playing goalie. Don't tell him that because he's not going to stop. Well, but we'll it, at the same time, I've seen him play the puck last year where he was sound. He did the right thing. He played it to the right man. He didn't give it up for an easy goal so it's it's junior hockey so who knows now when it comes to backup that's where the like i love dixon grimes first of all he has a batman mask and to me that is like the coolest thing ever um also he's a guelph kid and i always love seeing a hometown kid play for the team that they grew up cheering for i think it's a really cool story so i hope he does make the team but if not Enjoy the roller coaster ride that we're going to have this season. Uh, as for the storm, I see them winning 40 games and finishing with about 88 points. Yeah, that sounds about right to yep. me. Like, yeah, I've, I have no, I have no qualms about that. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't. I'd be disappointed, dare I say. I was going to say last year they had London's number again. I think they were what, seven and four against London last year as well. They were really good against the Knights, and I'm sure that made Ember very happy. Uh, uh, one of my my shots made it to bar down because I believe it was it Evangelista who got 40. And that That's little right. handshake, I shot that, and I'm like, I'm very proud that people are seeing my work. Granted, no one knows my name. I have a very O-lineman attitude about that, which is you only know my name when I screw up. But like... I'm like, I'm proud that shot made it out, but like at the same time, it hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah. I you're you're a diehard fan through and through. I respect it. I respect it, honestly. I have a Team Canada Ryan Parent jersey. 
that's about as diehard as it gets. No disrespect to Ryan Parent, but yeah, you're you're about as diehard as it gets. I was gonna say, guys, um, I, I kept you an hour and ten minutes, but I was gonna say thank you both for coming on today. And uh, where can my audience uh, find you on social media if they wish to follow you on social media? I'm a pretty easy guy to find. My Twitter handle's been the same for about eight years now, at CKNX uh, underscore Drury. That's D-R-U-R-Y. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, you can find the show that I host, the uh, Instigating Podcast with Clarky and Drury. Uh, it's all over the place. Apple, Spotify, it's on Facebook. We're on Instagram, wherever you want to go. And uh, on occasion, if you're if you're a heavy metal fan, you can find my band. We just released a music video today. Uh, I was going to ask about Street. that because I was I was perusing <laughs> your Instagram and I'm like, EP just all right. If if it's metal, I'm in. I am absolutely in. It's pretty gross. It's not for everybody. It's pretty heavy. But yes, Clarence Street is the name of my band. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. We just dropped a new music video today called No Lines. So that's where you can find me. Uh, being creative, if you will. Amber? Uh, for me, uh, when I do post, it's it's usually not a lot. On my Twitter, it's a lot of hockey stuff and some a lot of political stuff. If that's not your thing, I totally get it. Instagram, I mostly post shots at me at work. So either me at Rogers or me doing Griffision. And it's and if you if you like NHL like video game stuff, I'm in a lot of um I'm in a couple different Twitch streams. I don't stream myself, but I am there causing havoc in chat. And everywhere you can find me with <laughs> everywhere you can find me, and my username is at girl with the top hat. Okay, definitely. And uh like That's you said, a I'm great looking... handle. <laughs> I was gonna say. That's a wicked handle. Definitely. But uh hey, thank you for following me on TikTok. And since I got I got you guys on here, I'm at 985 followers. I need 15 more followers so I can do this show on TikTok as well live. Beautiful. I'm not on the talk. I don't know if that's surprising to people. I don't know. I'm just not I don't know, man. I just don't spend a lot of time on social media. I I've it's gotten so consuming. bored. Uh, like I just I I don't know I've just gotten bored with it I mean outside of sharing some of the band stuff uh, you know if I'm not at the rink and covering games I'm I don't know I I've gotten a lot more quiet on it over the last few years but follow follow this show on TikTok guys and get Chris on another platform okay he deserves it Thank you so much. And uh, one of my favorite video clips on my TikTok page is a 40-yard dash with a certain camera operator. Hey, my my 40 was under 10. That was the goal. Hey, we all have goals. We got to have goals. Also, if I can have a little bit of a hipster moment, I was on TikTok before it was called TikTok. Wow. What was it what before? Was it called? Yeah, Musical.ly. You learn something new every day, folks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and I just joined it a year ago because um, I had people bugging me about it, and it's just another a way to uh, get noticed on there as well. But there's a lot of stuff on TikTok, but I just use it strictly for my uh, promoting my guests and my uh, podcast show on there or posting sports videos or 40-yard dashes. As you should. Definitely. T TikTok is crazy with the algorithm. Like, 
I remember when I swapped my phone, I'm like, I cannot lose my TikTok. I've spent a year and a half cultivating it. I am not going back to like cultivating. I'm not going back to the standard for you page. I can't do it. I, I follow too many cosplayers to start over from scratch again. Beautiful. All right. All right, guys. I was going to say, uh, Ryan, we'll see you in two weeks from today when they're taking on the OHL champion Hamilton Bulldogs and one of my friends, Ryan Humphrey. Really good guy, too. He's been on my show. And uh, Amber, we'll see you next Friday and Saturday, most yep. likely, for the Storm game against Mississauga and then the uh, Wolf Griffin's homecoming against Queens. Yep, homecoming. They took also, care of me one today. One thing about the Griffins, um, Ashton Reeser committed to the men's hockey team. So that's right. I'm uh I got really excited for that. I like seeing storm players and being able to cover them beyond their their OHL stuff. Hopefully the Griffins are better this year. They have a lot of commit uh commitments from former OHL guys. One of them's current uh got invited to NHL camp. So I hope that works out well for him, but he still comes back to Guelph. Also, the head coach is a former storm coach. So, like, Ember's living in heaven. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to that as well. So, uh, guys, I would definitely like to have you back on again in the future. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on Season 4, Episode 30, my 195th episode all time on Live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Absolutely. It was our pleasure, Chris. And uh, hey, man, you, you know where to find me. I'm available anytime. <laughs> and uh, same here. And uh, Amber, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you from uh, a week from now. Oh, by the way, to anyone who's watching this and wonders, am I like this and off camera? Yes. <laughs> I am. I am all over the place all of the time. But you and behaved. there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and you behaved no profanity. So that was perfect. That was, I was in, I was in another stream today um, and somewhere I hang out a lot. And I'm just like, I'm honestly really worried. I'm going to drop a four letter word. Just absent minded. I grew up playing hockey and I'm in TV. Like profanity is just like the word the, it gets used all we the both, time. We both held on. We both held on. Yes, definitely. But guys, uh, I hope you have a great night and uh, we'll definitely see you guys at the rink real soon. And uh, we'll have to talk more about the London Knights too. I'm going to have one of the night guys on in a couple weeks as well, Jim Van Horn. So um, Amber, next time I bring you on, we're going to have to talk pro wrestling. We'll do a pro wrestling show. I'm where in preparation of that, I wore uh, a Kid Bandit shirt. And if you don't know who Kid Bandit is, they are an amazing non-binary wrestler. Uh, if you are big into anime, you're going to love their gimmick because it's just anime personified. Definitely. So, yeah, I want to have a wrestling podcast show. I really, I, I'd like to do one and, and uh, have you talk about the WWE, AEW, and even the independent wrestling leagues around here as well. One thing I, I will say, it's like wrestling has two major companies. It's a healthy industry. Nickelback just dropped a heavy song. Like, is this 2022 or are we in 1998? <laughs> I by the way, hope I, it's 2022. By the way, Nickelback's new song is legitimately fantastic. I love it so much. And I've been missing it their last couple albums. There you go. They're back. All right. 
And uh, I didn't know that about you, Ryan, either, that you had your own music band. So every time I do a show, I learn something new about my guests. Yeah, I, I, it's not something that I generally advertise around the hockey rink. It is a uh, it is a bit of a niche genre, if you will, the the whole screaming thing. And oh, know, that's just oh, my God. Now I have to see you live. That's well, that's just, uh, Hey, I, that's what I grew up doing. I mean, I was in a band for six years, all, all through high school. Um, and a little bit before that. And, um, you know, my, uh, my best friend and I just out of boredom during the pandemic started writing some songs and it just kind of became a little bigger than maybe we were, we were expecting, but yes, I do enjoy, uh, I do enjoy making music. It's, it's maybe the only thing I like more than sports. So. I have no musical talent. I did karaoke, uh, intoxicated in New York City three years ago, and I emptied out the bar. and The guy said, "Please don't come what back." What did here you? Yet. What did you sing? Uh, I sung uh, uh, "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. Of course, that was your mistake. Detroit that was Rock, your mistake. De Detroit Rock City and uh, Montel Jordan's uh, "This Is How We Do It." So yeah, three old songs. Okay, yeah, you you reached for the sun a little bit with the journey because Steve Perry's one of the greatest vocalists of all time. But yep. I can respect I can respect your choices. Yes, but I have no musical talent, so that's gonna. And uh, if I wasn't in, if I hadn't a few drinks in me, I probably wouldn't have done it. I don't do karaoke because I sound terrible. But like being an emo kid, most of what I would want to sing, they probably don't have. Like. Who, I who don't wants... know. I don't know. I think they queue up some My Chemical Romance for you. What's wrong with that? No, I'm thinking like Dear Maria, count me in. Oh, a little all time low. Count me in. Let's do a duet. Or uh, or Love Drunk. I've been listening to that the last couple of days, and I'm like, God, it's so good. You're speaking my language a little or, bit here. All right. Or uh, anything. <laughs> we gotta let <laughs> we gotta let Chris go. We're gonna be on yeah. here for another two hours. <laughs> I told him I was free all day, so if this rides, let it ride. <laughs> all right, but no, I'll definitely have you guys come back on my uh, podcast show again, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in the next week, and in your case, Ryan, in the next two weeks, and uh, getting back to doing the uh, hockey games again. Absolutely, Chris. It's always yeah. a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you so much, Ryan. And we'll talk to you guys very soon. Go Knights. I hope I made you cringe with that. Ah, that's okay. No worries. <laughs> no worries. All right, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the NFL games. And uh, go Birds. Go Eagles. Go Ticats. Boo. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thank you so much. See you, Chris. Thank you See so you much. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast today, Season 4, Episode 30, with Ryan Drury and Amber Campbells as we were talking about the uh, Guelph Storm 2022-23 uh, Guelph Storm team. And uh, Ryan's a color analyst for the Storm broadcast on Rogers, and he's also uh, a sports and news anchor on CKNX News in Wingham, Ontario. And Amber Campbell is a longtime volunteer camera operator for Rogers TV and the University of Guelph uh, with Griffin Vision as well. And uh, she's been a big help to me uh, doing camera work with Rogers and now uh, with Griff Vision as well. Guys,
guys, just to let you know, Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can check out barrycullen.com for their newest selections of uh, pre and brand new GM vehicles. And you guys can call them at 519-824-0210. And I'll just put that picture right up on here as well. But I really appreciate, again, Mark Cullen uh, for having faith in me and uh, sponsoring Live with CDP Sports Podcast as well. And uh, before I wrap things up, guys, I'm just going to let you guys know my next live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Collin Chevrolet, is going to be Monday, September 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern. My guest is going to be Ryan LeVere. He's a Rogers TV hammer operator, and he's been with Rogers, uh, I think, for eight years, the same amount of time as Amber. So Ryan's going to come on and, and talk some Kitchener Rangers hockey and also the OHL and his uh, uh, volunteer career with Rogers TV as a camera operator as well. So I look forward to that as well. So I hope you guys can tune into that this Monday night. September 20th at 6 p.m. for season four, episode 31 with live with CDP Sports Talk with Ryan LeVere as well. I'm looking forward to that as well. And before we wrap up this podcast show, guys, I do this with all my uh, shows after. Uh, I'm just going to have it right, right here. Hang on one second, guys. Live with CDP Sports Talk podcast. The audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM. Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn as well. And Live with CDP Sports Talk is now in now is Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio edition is now being listened to in 19 countries across the world. So thank you to everybody for listening to my uh, talk show on audio platforms. It's amazing, 19 countries. I'm very uh, grateful and very lucky of this. And also I want to say thank you to my audience watching this live on my YouTube channel. Please hit the subscribe notification and likes to my uh, previous podcast shows on there. And also thank you to everybody watching this on Facebook Live and also on Twitter Live under Chris D. Pome as well. And also, guys, check out my weekly live audio show on Twitter Spaces called the Argo Bounce. It's about the Toronto Argonauts and the CFL, and my co-host is Nick Small. We do that once a week on my Twitter page, at Christy Pame, under Twitter Spaces, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing the Argo Bounce show with Nick again soon. And also, I do some Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles post-game and pre-game uh, shows on Twitter Space as well. And before we wrap this up, guys, also you guys can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok. I'm at 985 followers right now. If I can get another 15 followers, I will be able to do this uh, talk show podcast live on TikTok as well. So, and to those who are following me on TikTok, thank you so much as well. And uh, I guess, yeah, and also the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles' next game is this Monday night, September 20th at 
30 against the uh, Minnesota Vikings at Lincoln Financial Field. So it's going to be the one and all Vikings against the one and all Eagles. And that should be a very good game as well. And the other Monday night game is uh, 715 from Orchard Park, New York. The Tennessee Titans taking on the Buffalo Bills as well. And before we go, guys, I uh, just wanted to let you know, I have my own website now. Please check out beacons.ai slash Chris D. Pome. All of my content and media, social media sites are on this website. So beacon.ai slash Chris D. Pome. Everything about me on social media, digital content creator, and that is on there as well. And uh, I look forward to adding to that as well. And also, guys, just wanted to let you guys know, uh, I'm just going to put this on here before I go. I have a friend that's... Uh, doing a, a, um, a support group. It's kind of a support group in the States, uh, basically to help people to f inspire them into careers. It's called The Unsealed with Lauren Burrill. And uh, her mission is to uh, diversify a collection of voices and experiences to empower and unite people. So check her, her uh, site out. It's called The Unsealed with Lauren Burrill. She was also a former um, TV sports uh, anchor reporter with uh Channel 4 in Buffalo and Channel 5 in Cleveland. And uh, I just thought I'd give her business, uh, online business, a little shout out called The On Seal with Lauren Brill. Check it out. Honestly, there's some great stories. I've met some good people and friends there as well. And I will put her website up as well. Uh, you can check out her website at theonsealed.com. Theonsealed.com. And that's about it, guys. I'm going to wrap up this podcast show. But I, again, I want to say thank you to my guests today, Ryan Drury and Amber Campbell, for coming on Season 4, Episode 30 of Live with CDP Sports Talk. Again, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road in the Guelph Auto Mall. And um, I hope everybody has a great evening and great weekend and enjoy the uh, NFL games. And we'll see you here Monday night, September 20th, 6 p.m. Eastern, with Rogers TV camera operator Ryan LeVere. So, again, thank you to Ryan and Amber for coming on. And uh, give me about 15 minutes, and I'll have this uh, live podcast show downloaded to my audio platform. So I hope everybody has a great, great Friday night, great weekend, and we'll see you Monday, 6 o'clock, for Season 4, Episode 31 of Live with CDP Sports Talk. Take care. Thank you.